Welcome to Old Town New World, where we talk about the ever-changing world of Small Town USA. We're here at Rock Hill Brewery. I'm Jason Broadwater. I'm Chris Trevay. And uh, I guess we'll get started. Looks like it. <laughs> no, okay. Alright, so today uh, our guests are Nick Radovanovich. Perfect pronunciation. Yeah, from sounds like it's from a Martin Scorsese movie or something, maybe. Or something, uh, yeah. Or something, yeah. <laughs> I, I've got a stage name, but. Uh, yeah. we're, or you're you're one of Rocky's opponents. <laughs> okay. And, uh, that that would make me Igor. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, Craig Craze, welcome, gentlemen. Hey, thanks. Glad to be here. Craig and Nick are developing an amazing development on the south side of Rock Hill, South Carolina. And that's what we're here to talk to them about, but we want to learn more about them and uh, where they come from and, and, and how they got involved in this project. Now, the, the project's called Kettle Song. It's, uh, it's on 550-something acres. It's down near Pine Tuck Golf Course, uh, past Nickel Store, past 77 on the south side of Rock Hill um, in, in southern York County. And um, it's going to be like... If you're familiar with Baxter, if you're in this area, or familiar with Ion down in Charleston, or even Riverwalk, um, these kinds of developments that are, um, you know, there's density, there's, um, there's walkability. walkability, there's restaurants, there's um, neighborhood parks. community parks, you know, all this kind of stuff. This is the type of, of development that we're talking about here, and um, they're going to tell us all about it. So first, though, before we get into the development, we'd love to learn a little bit about you guys. So. I mean, Radovanovich, where are you from, Nick? Radovanovich, I, I thought it would be obvious. I'm from Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, uh, yeah, so uh, actually I was born in Tennessee. You'd never know that from the name. Uh, but I grew up in New York and, uh, well, I'm, I'm here in South Carolina now. So, uh, Did you just wander off? I did one. Yeah, well, that, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm I have uh, some travels under my belt, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. uh, but these days, uh, I'm in South Carolina, and uh, and you live in Baxter. I did live in Baxter for a while. Uh, yeah. Not there anymore. But uh, some of the ideas that come out of Baxter are, are what we're trying to emulate at Kettle Song. Yeah. Uh, this idea of walkability, being able to to leave your house without having to jump in a car. I can either go to church or I can hear my kids piano recital or I can go to a friend's house and uh, I never have to rely on a car to do any of that so well so uh, so let me jump in and yeah. and, uh, and as we get more into the development we'll we'll learn about some specifics and but let me introduce Craig here and ask Craig where, where are you from so I'm a Carolina boy all right born up here in Charlotte went to school graduated from West Charlotte High School nice then I went to school out west and then did a short stint up in New York before moving down here to Rock Hill and starting a business. And that business evolved into something a lot more successful than I ever anticipated. Wrapped up my time as CEO in 2015, sold my ownership part of the business in 2017, and then found myself a time and capital to start thinking about how do I do good in the community in which I live? So I live down there on the south side of Rock Hill. I mean, you live on the property that's going to be Kettle Song, is that? No, I live about three minutes away from. It. Okay, gotcha. So it's very much so my neck of the woods. Yeah. All my kids were born here in Rock Hill. I mean, this is home for us. So we have a big vested interest in kind of what happens here. Yeah. But you know, Nick kind of got a little bit of a short shift on the self-introduction. Do you know Nick is actually like? one of the most interesting guys to know. This guy's been a merchant marine. Oh, He's wow. been an actor. 
actor. Yeah. He's an actor. architect. A lot of, yeah. a lot of confusion I mean, here in this. We court. really, <laughs> we really should do an entire podcast yeah, just on this Swiss guy. Army knife. I mean, yeah. I'm pretty okay. Bored. Yeah, I'm, I'm up for that. I'm up for that, but probably yeah. not this podcast. Swiss Army Nick. <laughs> yeah, the MacGyver Nick. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, of the famous Irish Red of now, <laughs> now that we've taken all the focus off of Craig, thanks yeah, for that. Right. Oh, oh come on. We got two guys that live here in Rock Hill. Um, in and around Rock Hill, and live right near uh, Craig. You live right near Close. where this, yep. yeah, where this development's gonna happen. Um, Y'all traveled all over, experienced a lot of things. Here, uh, Nick, you're an ar- uh, architect. Interesting guy in the world. Yeah, right. Craig will yeah. tell you. <laughs> what, 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 what was the beer with the guy? Dos Equis. Yeah. Oh yeah, right, Nick. It's He doesn't always build developments in Rock Hill, but when he does, it's kettle song. It's kettle song. That's right. People have always said that. Yeah, right. I think we should use that. Yeah, yeah. That's genius. So, you guys live here. I mean, this is your home. Right, so you're not flying in to uh, develop something here to make money and then fly away. You, y'all are planning to stay here, right? I mean, you're planning to live in this community, around this community, is that accurate? Yeah, look, I think a little bit more of our backstory is relevant is Nick is a very talented architect. I was a guy who had a home that I needed some work done on it, and so I sought Nick's services out. That's how we met. And Good story Nick, there, actually. Yeah, right. yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, Nick probably tells the story better than I do. You want to tell well, the story? Well, just, just a little bit here. So, so he had reached out to me uh, through email, and it, it was a very flattering response. I, I've been to your website. I get it. I was trying to be funny on the website, right? So, yeah. uh, not everybody gets it, but he did. And I thought to myself, Gosh, you know, I'm reading through that email, and I see at the end of it, it's Craig Craze. E, it's spelled with an E. Right. So I thought, gosh, someone's messing with me. Oh, and, no. and so I just kind of ignored it. Yeah. And his uh, middle initial was B, so that made it even weirder. Yeah, 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 especially yeah, crazy. Yeah. Be crazy yeah. Well, thankfully, he's a, a, a persistent guy. So he, yeah. he called me up. And he's not crazy. Up. And he's not crazy at all. No, he's not. <laughs> uh, and uh, th- that led to uh, uh, several different projects we had worked on at his house. We, we did a barn and designed and built it, and we did a whole house remodel, and we became fast friends. Yeah, I mean, so to be clear, you know, I didn't really have a desire or a goal to get into the development business, but Nick, as you can tell, is the big brain in this partnership. He has got a lot, no, 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 a lot of great ideas, and just the more I talked to him, I thought, wow, that's like really interesting, and my family and I have traveled a lot, so we've seen a lot of beautiful places all over the world, and as part of those travels, I started thinking, man, why don't we have more of this in the United States? Like, why don't we have these like walkable villages and hamlets? And why can't we have these great little towns that are crossroads connected by bike trails? And then I came back and started touring the low country in South Carolina. And lo and behold, you know, South Carolina index is really high for world-class development. Yeah. I mean, Ion, Nexton, Habersham, uh, you know, Bluffton, Palmetto Bluffs. I mean, there are a lot of great examples. And so then Nick and I kept talking. I was like, why can't we do something like this in our backyard? And then I found out that someone was trying to buy the Pine Tuck Golf Course to do what I call a traditional or a conventional development. Like just all homes, all the same price point, nothing to walk to. Cut this, all the trees down. Yeah, it's just it's one of these soulless neighborhoods. Like yeah. totally you have to use your car to do anything. Yeah. And so I was like, ah, I'm going to buy that land just to stop that. Yeah. 
and then started having other conversations and just got to know the property owners. And next thing you know, all of a sudden it's got, hey, you know, I got 550 acres. Well, what do we do with this? And so then we started talking to other people who had a lot of good experience and great ideas. The next thing we know, we kind of have this idea of changing what the south side of Rock Hill is about. Because yeah. if you've ever been in, if you've been in Rock Hill for a couple of decades, you'll know that there's not a whole lot going on on the south side of Rock Hill. Now, I live out there. I live on 25 acres. I like my country living. Look, I'm redneck enough that I confess I shoot guns off my front porch. All right, so, <laughs> so I'm comfortable with that. But I also know what's coming. Yeah. Like, development yeah. is absolutely coming. And the south side of Rock Hill is either going to be a bunch of conventional subdivisions with a bunch of distribution warehouses, or it can be something better. You know, I did a lot of work with the city of York, and um, when I was doing it, it was just kind of input work and strategy work and stuff, trying to get the town fired up about change, and, 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 and then try to... You're a troublemaker. Yeah, I'm basically yeah. a troublemaker. I get them fired up about change. Mostly they get you know negatively fired up at first, but then it forces the idea in people's minds that there is no option to keep everything exactly like it is. That's not one of your choices. It's like, it's gonna be, you know, an uh, unknown reality. I, I, I used to use this example. Charlotte is a fire hydrant that's blasting out water. Fort Mill's so close, it's getting, it's getting like run over with the water and it can barely keep up. You know, Rock Hill is far enough away where it can dig trenches and sow rows and turn that water into a harvest if it, if it plans for it. But it's coming. The water's coming. You can't yeah. be like, oh, we don't want any water. No, thanks. No, it's going to run over you. The, the flood metaphor. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Find some high ground here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's a satellite community and, and it feeds off of a, a large metropolitan area like Charlotte. Yeah. So change uh, is going to come. Yeah, there's yeah. an inevitability. Yeah. yeah. And that's right. it, not to jump ahead here, but in life, you either completely solve problems and remove them and the things that you cannot control you try to manage and head off before they right. turn back and, and try to turn it into a powerful I mean a positive force I mean I think that you know so, so I think we've got two things that are emerging here um, y'all are gonna continue to tell us more about kettle song which is a de specific development on 550 acres that focuses on nature even the school you said is coming in the curriculum is going to be built on nature, and it's about community and nature and walkability and all these things. But there's also this theme of what's going to happen to the whole south side of the county. I mean, so is Kettlesong kind of like a, hey, look at how we can do it kind of project? Yeah, absolutely. You know, by the way, I have to say this. I want to rat Nick out. So during this entire process, Nick's been leading me along. What he never told me is like to build a community like Kettlesong that's all about walkability, it's a tight knit community, it reduces traffic because people don't have to get in their cars to go do things. Yeah, it takes a ton of private capital and it has to be like really patient money. Right. Because yeah. you, you make all this investment in the parks and all yeah. these things. He's on to me. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, Nick's like, you know, when's Craig going to figure out that he's going to put a lot of money into this? So it's going to be a long time before <laughs> okay. he gets yeah, okay. it out. He's going to use my opportunity <laughs> to get a little uh, corny. Uh, and what I love about Craig is uh, he's got, a, I love his heart. Uh, I knew that when I presented that idea to, to you, uh, that you would say, yeah, that sounds like something that I, I want to run with because it's a big honking idea and, and even more daunting when you think about the developing that idea. 
Uh, we, we, we're first-time developers here, so uh, we don't even think of ourselves in those terms. As developers, no. No, no, and, and when we talk about Kettlestone, we talk about town building uh, more broadly. And what that means for us is that uh, it's not about a subdivision, uh, it, it's about how you bring people together uh, in a way that, once again, doesn't have them going into their cars, but it also talks about this idea of community. And, and necessarily what, ha what comes out of that is having your favorite place for meeting your friends for coffee, uh, your fa favorite pastry shop, your favorite uh, dining, uh, your, your restaurant venue. Uh, and, and having all those things so close to one another. And where you go hike, and where you go ride all, your bike. All those things, yeah. 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 So. Yeah, and that's good. And look, at the end of the day, my family and I would decide. Look, this is a worthy investment. I mean, let's let's take a shot. I mean, this is like a twenty-year project. But if we're successful at this, and I think we can be, we can fundamentally change kind of what the future for that area looks like. Yes. And not that it doesn't already have a great future as it is, but I think it could be one that raises. Um, kind of the standard of living, raises people's expectations for what wonderful housing looks like. And, and again, the sense of community, you know, today people are worried about security. You know, the best security systems out there are ones where neighbors know each other. Yeah, and right, they're in yeah. these walkable communities where they're like, yeah, I'm gonna be out of town, they see my neighbor, and the neighbor keeps an eye on those things. So there's just a lot of intangible benefits that come from communities like this. No, I hear you, man. And I, and I think one point of clarity that should always be made is, I mean, because I've heard you talk about this, you know, before, and, and it's, um, when you talk about a better future, you're not talking about better than the present. In some ways you might be, like a restaurant that's close, that's nice, and, you know, a place that you can ride your bike safely. I mean, so there are uh, things that are better than the present. But I think you're also talking about, in a big way, better than a different future that could happen if we don't really if we just let it happen to us. Making conscious choices. Yeah, about it's about being intentional, right? Yeah, yeah. I, you hit it right on the head. And, and I think I have a lot of my neighbors that I'm having conversations with and everyone acknowledges that development's coming. Mm -hmm. We had a town hall meeting right in the same place and people knew we're making choices today that'll impact what the future will look like. And, yeah. and it's exciting to be surrounded by people that are engaged, that wanna create something that's really compelling and so it's, it's fun to do. There are also challenges, no yeah. doubt, but it's also, I think, one of the most rewarding things that we can do. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure you haven't hit any challenges or roadblocks in any way. I mean, <laughs> you know. We, we don't want to talk about trees right now. <laughs> and we don't want to talk about infrastructure. Yeah. And well, I mean, all that stuff's part of it, of course. Wait a second. Hold on. What if all the infrastructure is made out of trees? Oh, you just solved the whole wow. problem. Done. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm really confused now. Uh, yeah, so am I. That's why I said that. So, I but. mean, <laughs> so you guys have this vision for a neighborhood, and I mean, there's a lot of neighborhoods that are uh, communities, the town almost, right? That are that have this kind of theme, like um, Riverwalk kind of has it around biking and the river, um, and y'all's is is around preserving nature. I mean, if you you know, if it's you, not even about preserving. Utilizing. I'm sorry Please, to interrupt. No, yeah, me. yeah. Nature is. We like to think of it as an everyday experience, right? Right. So, increasingly, we're detached from a larger thing happening out there and 
we, we loosely refer to it as nature. Right. Uh, so so people spend a lot more time indoors and and disconnected from from outdoor spaces. We want to make that part of. Of, of, of an experience, whether or not you're a kid or your mom and dad or whoever, uh, whatever your family formation is, uh, we want people to be out there and enjoying nature. So uh, this would be integrated into the experience. It, it, I, yes, at every turn. Which I think uh, is key because we do live in a world where people, you know, I mean, we people enjoy nature and they, they go seek out, they go to the mountains, they go for a hike or whatever, or they go get exercise or whatever, but something they have to go out of their way to seek out and get as a hobby or something versus something that's integrated in your life and you're naturally gonna get, and that is a world of difference. Anything that's naturally integrated into your life is totally different than something you have to go seek out. Yeah, look, we're not, we're not under any misperception that we're gonna change how people necessarily live, but being oh, in nature on. can yes, be. Nick thinks that we are. <laughs> Nick does. We definitely are. <laughs> All right. We're social on. engineering here. We're, yeah. we're going we're to argue that. When we talk about being engaged with nature, that can be as simple as sitting out on your front porch and yeah. having a conversation exactly. with your neighbor. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, having yeah, a yeah. park right there in front of your house. Well, what Something happens natural. when it's 95 degrees, man? Right. And it's summertime. Quit, quit your belly aching about like three months out of the year when it's not nice. <laughs> okay. In South Carolina, okay. nine months where it's perfectly pleasant to be outside. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You got to uh, find yeah. some shade. So, 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 so what you're suggesting is that people, people's attitude and their interaction with nature is, is maybe a little bit different. And, and accommodating those outdoor moments, uh, loosely speaking. So a porch Weaving is a, is a good example. Yeah. yeah, well, how do you make a porch more accommodating when it's th this hot? I don't know. I mean, all bets are off when it's as hot as it is right now, right. but that's not the majority of the year. Yeah. Uh, so I think people tend to get uh, caught up in their routines. Yeah. And uh, increasingly, I mean, it's been the case for years. A lot of that happens inside the house. But I can walk from my porch past the park up to the place where I would have my beer. And Absolutely. Then, and yeah. then I would walk past, yeah. back past my house, maybe to another park where I may sit. Have another beer? And have another beer. Right. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. one I had in my pocket as I walked down the street. Right, no, right, right, right. Yeah, that's so this is that's all about I'm, open container, really, is really what it's That's kind of the whole point. <laughs> that's what I mean when, I don't, yeah, I don't mean, you know, there's a mountain integrated into your commute to work, but I mean, the mm. idea just basic. Going outside is not—it's not something that you have to introduce into your life. It's—it's it's a normal part, and not in a way where you have to overcome. You know, I have to walk. I had to walk five miles in the heat to go get you know a glass of water. Like it's just a natural part of your life that you step outside. I mean, like if, if your natural path in life as you live it is to sit at the computer at home and then get in your car to go to Target and then get in your car to go to work and sit at a computer, you have to introduce nature. Yeah. And, and there's just, that never is gonna compare to nature just in small ways being right there. All right, so let's talk about this a little bit more. And, and I'm not even the architect here, so I don't even know why Nick's letting me say this, but- Why me? But like when we were developing the architectural guidelines for Kettlesong, we are like, these front porches actually have to be real living spaces. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't give us the token six foot deep front porch that you can't even get a chair on. Mm. Like, make the front porches like really deliberate. And we even challenged them to say, look, we're not even sure you need to have a clearly defined front door. Maybe they, we want the front of the house 
to open up to that front porch. And so through architecture, we actually start creating incentives or make it easy for people to get outside and engage. And guess what happens? When you have like a killer outdoor space and the weather's nice in April and May, right? Or in September and October, guess what? You're gonna go out there and hang out. Yeah. And, and then your neighbors, yeah. you're gonna neighbors, know you're gonna your neighbors' walk kids. By. Totally. You're going to say, hey, are you, does your mom know you're out here? What time is it? All right, so, so why is that not yeah, happening today? Right. Yeah, right. And I, I just want to say, a, a big porch that you can hang out on is actually a very traditional Southern thing. I know. Totally. Yeah. So I will say, when you say traditional development is clear cut, um, make all those little houses look the same on a cold estate, that's actually not traditional development. That's conventional yeah, development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a much if better way to say If you go back farther, you're going to have a more integrated experience where people were more um, community focus. It's the stuff that we hearken back to romantically as a better world. It's basically what you're talking about. Okay, so why don't we build it more today? Why aren't we building, if people want money, human money, interaction, money, why don't huh? okay. You know, just cause. Why? Because yeah, you can't money. make money doing okay. that. No, I cannot make Man, money. Man, you can come in and clear cut a property, build a whole bunch of uh, same price point houses, line them up, and you can sell them like that. Yeah. Well, it's a, a, a right? real, real efficient model. From, from Plus, a, what if what if you're cutting down the woods and you find a big box of money? It Maybe. could be a box of money. It might be trees. a box of money out there in the woods. Those you trees don't know. are in the way of seeing the box of money. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> we, we should be so lucky, right? <laughs> well, I'll tell you one other thing to think about it is, so we're talking about conventional development. All the homes are the same price point. And think about it. Little or no front porches, the garage doors on the front, people drive up, they open the garage door, they go inside, they never come out, right? Yeah. Now, and sometimes they go into the wrong house because <laughs> oh, they look exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, honey, I'm home. They lived here for like a week, they have no idea. Sometimes okay. they just Crazy. roll with it. I know, yeah. Pete Seeger had a, a song on this, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. You would know. Well, I walked into you, the you, wrong house. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the other thing too is like, like the sense of community. How we do conventional development where all the homes are the same price point, people actually can't stay there through every stage in their life. Right. Like the young professional coming out of college, they can't necessarily afford to mm. live there. Right? So when you have a mixed income community like Kettlesong, there's a price point for the young college grad, there's a price point for the young couple, there's a price point for the larger family that's more established, there's a larger house with lots of kids, and then there's the empty nester. Mm. Like like when you do all that in the same community where every phase you're building those different types of products, now people can go from one home to another within the same community and they develop that sense of community. If you're wondering like, why do we not have a greater sense of community today? Well, just look at all the conventional development. Like your neighborhood, all the homes are priced one of $350,000. Well, when you're ready to downsize, you gotta you, leave, you gotta leave yeah. right? And so we're not really doing anything new. The reality is what we're doing is how we built towns for thousands of years. Yeah, right, right seriously. It's only been since really the 1940s with the dominance of the American automobile industry and the idea of zoning that all of a sudden we just created this homogenous communities that really tore at the fabric of uh, building a sense of community and getting really uh, a place where you can stay there throughout your entire life cycle. Yeah, we're up against what, 70? Yeah. 70 years of momentum years. Yeah. in a system that, um, you know, has been working for capitalists all around the world uh, yeah. and here yeah. in the United States. So, uh, and, and we're very much, uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're capitalists, uh, don't get me wrong, <laughs> but, but I think that there's a, a way to, we think there's a way to do that 
without sacrificing quality of life. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, so. I think that goes back to like we were saying earlier. I mean, think about in in a person's life. Like, how often do you say, "Boy, if I knew now what I knew then, I'd go back and I wish that I'd changed this. I would have made this, or put this there, or put this here." And I mean, society at large has a lot of our pain points come from not making conscious decisions about what's the best way to move forward and just sort of letting things happen, which kind of law of nature, if you don't do anything, it might not turn out very great, you know? And you need to make conscious choices about what happens Well, just like in people's individual lives, the people that, you know, stop and take time, they design their life to enjoy it along the way and they make intentional decisions and they plan but they always remember to design things to enjoy I said, if I knew now what I knew then, like the Toby Keith song. Oh. Reverse of that, sorry. Yeah. I got uh, that. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, <laughs> I, that went right over my head. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, right. I had to correct myself. But, but just in the same way that, you know, your self-help book is going to tell you to do that with your own life, communities need to bring that way of thinking to the whole community, right? We need to be thinking about, we need to be intentional in what we're creating. Yeah, you're getting pretty. Yeah, that that's a philosophical conversation, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, I, I think more broadly, you're talking about a, a, a cultural uh, view of things and and culture more generally. You, we're used to a certain way of living, and you introduce something new to that formula, and people react in the way they always do to change, which is to resist that. And we're we're not talking about changing anything. We're talking about bringing, well, the name of the show, New Old, right? Yeah, Old so, Town, New so, World. So baby. yeah, this is a new, uh, uh, an old idea, uh, but it's being brought into a, this this moment Yeah, right that's now. a great so, way to put that. Yeah, yeah that's very gettable, yeah. Yeah, so, so. And there are examples. Lots of them. Lots and, of and lots as Craig was saying earlier, come, come to find out, Sam, uh, South Carolina has a lot of those, those examples. Yeah. Along the low country and in other locations too, but absolutely. Uh, so this fits into what would be kind of a South Carolina cultural comfort zone. Yeah. It's not like this is importing something scary and foreign. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, so we're and and you know, it's the, there's this irony that like, you know, to to maintain the kind of rural qualities of an area as it develops is to be intentional about developing among the ruralness, bringing people closer together in the way they live so that they can uh, preserve some of the rural areas. There's um, this idea about the school that's going to be nature-focused. You know, there's all these new and innovative ways because you can't just say, all right, nobody else can move to that part of the um, county. It's, it's closed. Because mm-hmm. I promise you that's not going to work. They're yeah. coming. You know what I mean? It's coming. <laughs> Yeah, and you were saying as much earlier, choosing to say no or not doing anything at all is not an option. You've got to be, more generally, you need to to be proactive and get ahead of what we know is coming. Or there will most likely be an outcome you are not happy with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then we all resort to complaining like we always do. So it it takes a little uh, bit of energy and and being proactive about this. this being, you know, a, a community-oriented development model, like, like the thing we're talking about at Kettle Um Okay, so, so the first building that's going up 
is uh, York County yes, I mean, York school. Preparatory this Academy. School. Yep. And uh, Craig, you have uh, some knowledge and experience on kind of how they've excelled and the state even asked them to build another. Tell us about that. Yeah, so York Prep opened up in 2010. And we bumped along. I was involved with the school when it started up and have been involved with the school ever since. And we bumped along for the first probably five years until we really got our sea legs underneath us. And then the school began creating amazing academic outcomes for the kids. Matter of fact, in 2018, it was one of five national blue ribbon schools in South Carolina. You become that when you do a great job closing the achievement gap and also helping students hit a high level of proficiency. And the school was so well regarded and is so well regarded today that the state came to York Prep's board of directors and said, we'd like for you guys to build another campus. We love what you guys are doing for kids. We know you have a wait list of over a thousand kids trying to get into your school. Please build another campus. So they went through the effort, the school did, of examining where would be a best location for another school, what the approach should be, is there a way to offer a program that's unique and innovative that's not available in this area? And that's where the school landed on this approach called place-based education. And that's where the kids spend a significant amount of time out in nature and in the community learning. There are a lot of kids today that are probably diagnosed as ADD or whatnot, when in reality, they just need more time outside. They just need more time climbing trees, doing stuff. And so place-based education is innovative. It's based on the four school approach that's used in Scandinavian countries. And we're bringing it right here to our backyard. And not only that, we have designed this idyllic location to nestle this new building in nature. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's going to be right beside the village center of Kettlesong. So ideally, you know, the kids will not only be going into nature, but hopefully we'll have a county library there someday or a YMCA. Oh, yeah. And the kids are leaving the school and going to those adjacent facilities to use them. So now it's now you don't have school property that goes dark at night, right? Mm -hmm. Those playgrounds are full of energy during the school day. And guess what? In the afternoon and evenings, kids still have access to them. Same with ball fields. And so it's really a different way to think about utilization and sustainability because we're not building things for a single purpose. We're building things that can get used by the school and by the community and all those things. So there is a lot to love about York Prep. And again, the school has a thousand people, thousand kids trying to get into it and they're gonna open up another campus and that thing's gonna fill up overnight. Well, what if I said the county closed the school recently and why would we spend local county dollars to build a school? Close, close to a school. Close to a school. Yeah, okay, sorry. Why would we spend local county taxpayer dollars to build another school when they just closed the school? So I think that's one thing people need to understand about a public charter school. Anyone can come. Once we fill up all, all of our seats to determine who gets in there, they have to do a lottery. So again, this is a public school and you can just apply to go there. Our funding though is different. Do you know we don't get any local tax dollars? Wow. So we're building this new campus completely without any local tax dollars, without any local bonds. Zero impact on the local tax base. So it's, wow. So we don't even get transportation dollars. So the local school district gets a lot of money to run their buses. We run limited buses, we don't get those. We only get funding from the federal government and from the state. And so the charter schools, they get really amazing results compared to the amount of money that they get for it. But to go back to this idea, so the local school district, yeah, they closed some other schools. 
their population dwindling. A lot of that had to do with aging facilities, really. If you really dig in and read the school board minutes, it was going to cost a lot more to maintain those schools to keep them up. Your prep, you got a thousand kids waiting to get in. Why would we not build another campus? Right. If, if I can advocate for your prep for a moment, because we did a project with them years we ago. And, they were awesome. And man, I'm telling you, we, we shot a lot of interviews in there. We were in there a lot. and. Um, I've never been, so this, you know, the idea of it as a successful school that people are very aware of and want to go to, that's not just numbers, like the culture of that place, they, and which I think is more powerful, well, I don't just think that's the standard thing, culture is, what, what's the phrase, culture eats culture, process? Eat, eat culture strategy, process, strategy, for, strategy for breakfast, yeah. yeah. I mean, culture is like, that's the most powerful thing, it you know, is, we see yeah. that every day. Um, and the culture at that school, I would walk away every day when we shoot interviews being like, man, I felt really good in that play. Talking yeah, to those right. teachers, like, I mean, it's not, it's a real thing. And I, I would go away being like, I really wish I'd gone there as a kid. I don't know, I can I can just tell. I would have had so much better of an educational experience there um, because they just have created this really great culture there. So I just want to advocate for that school. Yeah, it's not no, a normal school. Yeah, look, Brian Myrup, who became the managing director in 2016, has done a phenomenal job. Yeah. Literally, he came in and within two years was getting amazing academic results. And a ton of credit has to go to his leadership team and the teachers. I'll yeah. tell you what, not to disrespect the teachers in other schools, Teachers at York Prep work harder than any other teachers. Yeah. They have a tremendous culture because they like to create great outcomes for the kids and they work super hard for them. And you can feel Well, that. too bad that none of those teachers can live in Kettle Song because it's just for rich people. Oh, God. Oh, God. Open up. Oh, that was like he, he took the T-ball team, he took the softball, and now he's standing behind you, he's going to guide your boss. Oh, shucks. I wish I could live there, but I'm cool. It's the whole affordability uh, issue that we're trying to resolve. Uh, affordable housing, attainable housing, workforce housing goes by a lot of different names. Uh, but we all know that housing is a is an issue uh, nationwide. So, yet another thing we're trying to resolve uh, and, and address at Kettle Song is how do you bring that component into a into a neighborhood and have a, a multiple uh, market groups, uh, people of different means and and education levels. How do those folks all live together? Um, and so it, it's a challenge for us, and, and it's one that we're we're trying to to address. And uh, how do you do stay it? Stay tuned. Do you have? Yeah. Are there apartments, condos, houses? Like yeah, there's, there's a product mix. So multifamily is typically what it's referred to uh, when you're talking about uh, more affordable housing, which is townhomes and condominiums and row homes, and of course you've got single detached homes as well, which is typically uh, folks who who are higher earners and can afford uh, homes, uh, single detached homes. Uh, so, so how those different types of uh, homes and, and products live together is, is a challenge. So, if, so I was, if I was able to afford a single family home in an upscale neighborhood, why would I choose a neighborhood that had products in it that were less expensive than my product. I mean, isn't that a bad move or something? I mean, I... Well, there's a self-selection process that goes on uh, in, in a neighborhood like that. Some folks would prefer to live uh, in familiar, uh, a familiar setting with their tribe. And some folks uh, say, gosh, I, it's okay if I'm 
side by side with people who don't necessarily share all of my worldviews. And this guy works at a, I don't know, a, a manufacturing plant. And there's a, a doctor who lives down the block. That guy's uh, got a weird hat over there. He's got a weird hat. He looks different than I do. I, he, well, there's a no hat rule, I think, in Kettle Song. No weird No, no, there's no dress code at all in Kettle Song. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Which make, is kind make of a sure metaphor you, actually for what kettle song is. There's no dress code. There's no. It is absolutely a, a yeah. metaphor. Yeah. So so we always talk about mixed use and we always talk about diversity and and part of this conversation has has to do with that. How do you bring different incomes, people with different beliefs uh, and different worldviews? How do you bring them into a community? How do you create community out of that? Yeah. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think that we're social engineering. No, I we're think, not. Yeah. Think, we're choreographing, though. I think. I think uh, what we're. I think what we're responding to is vibrant communities throughout the world. Yeah. I mean, getting back to this, how we've been doing development for the last 70, 80 years in the United States, we've created this system of homogenous communities. Yeah. But travel back to towns in the United States that predate the 1940s. Yeah. Right. There's a lot more diversity in those towns. And I'm not talking about diversity for the sake of diversity, but I'm just talking about the fact that you have a lot of different housing types in there that allow people of different economic levels to live there. Yeah. You go to Europe, you've got the same thing. So all we're saying is, hey, let's take that, which is good, and enable it in Kettle Song because we're genuine. Like, we don't want to have people working in the community that can't afford to live in the community. Right. That seems, that's they're counter, not part of the community. Yeah, it's counter yeah. to this idea of walkability and all of those things. So, look, it can be done. I'll tell you what, though, it requires public participation. It requires private and public partnerships because at the end of the day, Nick and I are really committed to doing everything we can to keep our costs low not to drive our profits up, but to enable us to offer these different varying price points within the community. But it requires public participation in getting help from the city of Rock Hill with the utilities, you know, getting help from state government on other grants and doing these things. And again, it's not about enriching us. Heaven knows, you know, if this were all about profits, Craig and Nick would not be developing Kettle Song. This yeah. is about an investment yeah, yeah. in our community, yeah. and it's a long-term play. Yeah, well, I think that idea of the need of, of community involvement is part and parcel to what's good about what you're doing, because if you were this big, huge corporate entity that was coming in and just deciding this thing that's going to happen, then it would be like, so growing up, there was always this phrase that people would say about something, it's, they're coming out with. And it's like they, these these like sort of overlords, are coming out with this thing now. It's like nobody is coming out with kettle song you know it's like it's an idea it's a thing that you guys are trying to nurture and make happen and if the community wants that to happen and thinks that's a good thing they have to be part of that energy they can't just sit back and wait for it to come out with you know so you're trying to get the community involved in not necessarily yes in in kettle song becoming real but to even bigger i think to Chris's point, you got to get the community engaged, and you're trying to, but you're trying to get them engaged, tell me if I'm wrong, in a bigger idea that's about what are we going to create on the whole south side of Rock Hill? Is, is Kettle Song the type of example that we can build where we um, integrate among the trees and, and we create a walkable environment, we get people out of their cars, um, is that the type of development that we want to nurture and, and court here, right? I mean, 
that's where you need the community to step up and speak up, right? Yeah, and, and there is a larger place. Uh, thanks for the lead-in. Um, we, we, we talk about it all the time uh, as a way to kind of take the, 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 the onus off of Kettle Song to some degree. Uh, and we'd like to broaden the ideas, the basic principles behind Kettle Song and apply them in a larger area. So we, we, we're talking most recently about a small area plan, which would involve uh, multiple acres. We don't know what or, or how many acres th there are at, at the moment. We're having conversations with uh, the local folks here to get everybody to the table and to have that conversation about how we guide future development. Yeah. That's not something we're going to determine. We want that to be a community-led yes. initiative. Uh, so, but uh, you are able to step up and say, hey, we're putting our money where our mouth is. Well, we're for, willing for to sure. Do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Look, I think when we're talking about a, a vision for the future, a lot of people are just like, yeah, I've seen great places, but I'm just not really sure how to get there. And look, we're all busy in our lives. We have a lot going on. And so it does require someone who has a local vested interest to put some effort behind it and say, hey, look, we can get there. And here's some, here's some ideas. We don't have all the answers. To be clear, Nick and I absolutely don't have all the answers. The community has got to come together. But I think what we are interjecting into the community is this idea that we don't have to settle and accept whatever washes up on the shore. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Again, well, being intentional. That's kind of yeah. a theme here, you know. And it's coming. What I love is it's 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 coming from a place of you. You were saying you guys met and he was helping out with your house and stuff. And it's like it, the fact that it's two friends saying, "Hey, what if we did this? What if we did that?" You know, versus some corporate entity that's coming in and, and making this neighborhood a room. Look, I think I think there's a a very nuanced point here. And that is, when you have someone who has a local vested interest, the investment that we're making, we're thinking about it from a long-term perspective. So that comes right on down to the fit and finish of the homes that are in there. Like Nick and I are building Kettle Song and we're not moving on, we're moving in. Mm -hmm. So we're thinking about like, what does this place look like eight years yeah, from now? Good, yeah. yeah. Like, wow, did you write yeah, that yeah, down? Yeah, yeah, no, Nick came up with it. But, oh, okay, but, wow. but, but we're, we're literally thinking about like, what does this place look like eight years from now, 15 years from now? So that has implications for what are the fit and finish on the homes? How well do we build the roads? What do we think about stormwater management? All of these things. An outside developer? They have like a three-year horizon. They're like, how fast can we get in there? What's the minimum amount of money that we can spend? Because you know what? We don't give a rip about what this place looks like five years from now. Because right, we'll be we're not going right. to own it. Okay? So that is a really important distinction. So if you go to Baxter Village or you go to Kingsley, like the reason it looks so good is because you had the close family that was there vested long term. They weren't developing it and moving on. They were trying to build a town. Yeah. And frankly, we're just riding on their shoulders. They have done, yeah. I think, a fantastic job creating a precedent for us to look at. And there are tons of other communities in South Carolina for us to study as well. Yeah. So it is going to be different. Yeah, but 160 is not awesome. Right. And yeah. it's funny because I was going to say, I mean, I'm much like Jason. I was born here. I grew up here. And I will say Baxter Village is, I thought it was the coolest thing. And I it still, I cool. feel great when I'm standing on Market Street or whatever. I, that, I love that place. 
but there was a nice 15 year stretch where it was just nice, it was just awesome, and within the past few years, the traffic around it has changed how I view back. So how is this not gonna be 160? Yeah, look, we, we talk to our neighbors about this. I talk to my neighbors, like I wanna be able to recognize 901 in 10 years. So this whole idea, the, like this larger plan, this larger vision for the area, yeah. That's the reason we're talking about just not Kettlesong, but the larger region, because we have to have a comprehensive plan and vision to make sure that 901 doesn't become 160. Yeah. I have no interest in bringing that to the area. So that's the reason we're always working on both these things in parallel. What's Kettlesong and what's this larger plan for that area? Yeah, it's a bit of a cultural disconnect uh, because we tend to think in, in short term, bite-sized pieces. And that's not a criticism so much as it is an observation. I'm, I'm guilty of it. Uh, and, and our development approach is not that, it's long-term. Uh, we're in it for the long haul. And, and so it requires a, a certain attitude going into this. And, and part of that is an acknowledgement that in terms of profits that you hope to make, it, well, yeah, but not here, uh, or, or not certainly not as as much as it would be with a, a merchant builder or production. Right, yeah. Well, you know, I think about, I keep going back to 160, I think about Baxter is like the, and 160 is the antithesis of Baxter. So it's like, it's like what they didn't do, it's like Baxter's awesome, but what they didn't do is have an influence on everything around it. Yeah. Because, well, they did have an influence. Well, they were the beacon. Well, yeah. it wasn't the influence I think uh, that they wanted. That yeah. they wanted. They were the draw. Yeah, because 160 is frontage development, like unsafe frontage development. Yeah, that you have not... to be in a car. Yeah. To even go to somewhere that's 10 feet away, you got to drive out in a car and drive back yeah. in. Like, it's yeah. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Like yeah. Disney World is fun. All the stuff, all the not great stuff that developed around it is just not, you it's know? Not. <laughs> well, and unfortunately... So that's the importance of a local yeah, area kind yeah. of thinking, right? But that's what's so unique about the south side of Rock Hill. It's, to a large extent, not developed yet. I mean, we're in such a unique situation to actually influence something for the long term and get ahead of it. Yeah. And a lot of people are sitting out there and saying, no, I love it just how it is. But the current state is not because it was thoughtfully designed. Development just hasn't happened yet. Exactly. And so it's coming, but we can get ahead of that. And that's kind of the big part of the message we're trying to get out there is Nick and I have a high level of urgency around this because we know it's going to come. And when we stand Kettle Song up, every piece of property around us is going to go up in value. And guess what? People that want to kind of repeat the history of 160 are going to be there. Yeah. And we don't want that. So that's the reason we've got to work on both these things together. Yeah, that makes good sense. Yeah, yet again, the idea of like what was good about things that have happened in the past, including things like, you know, Fort Mill 160, with the lessons learned from that, you right. know, like how to do that without those and negative things. And that's what y'all are doing is bringing lessons from all kinds of like, like things you don't want and things you do want. Totally. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we want to do it better than uh, it's been done before. So, yeah, uh, yeah we're, we're uh, stealing from folks is one way of putting it uh, that have come before us. You know, Baxter is the yeah. thing we love to point to. But there's lots of good examples around the country that have done this and done it successfully. Uh, we're just one. We're, we're part of a continuum. Yeah. Uh, people, well, Nick, T.S. Eliot, the poet. Yes, I, I, I do know of him. Yeah, he uh, said that 
good poets borrow and great poets steal. Ah, yeah. a, man, a man after my own heart. So yeah. you're a great poet, my friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and any designer who's being candid or, or you know maybe had a few beers to, to get him there uh, will tell you that you know he, he's gonna he's gonna steal stuff from other. Yeah, all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Originality is an illusion unless you're like a oh, caveman. Oh gosh. Well, I think originality <laughs> yeah. is a mashup. I would say it's not an illusion, okay. it's a mashup. It is, it's basically about rethinking things that already exist. If it's in the yeah. something new. Yeah. Yeah. If it is if it's if it's shorthand for that. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in general, the, yeah, the more you just go ahead and accept you're now taking you crushing my spirit when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's original. No. Yeah. It, it's but, a hard truth. Yeah. But that's is. a silly that's cultural true. idea that that matters. Yeah. Well, I would say that Kettle Song is not 100% original. It is like a mashup of really great ideas and things we uh, want, and a really uh, kind of a lessons learned on things we don't. I mean, well, it, it, there will be some originality to it, which is to say that. You can't replicate Craig and me and the team that we've put together. That's true. And and cloning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's that's the next podcast. Uh, cloning and rock. Yeah. The new industry. So, so there'll, there'll be some level of uh, of originality here for sure. Well, I think when people praise originality, what they're probably talking about is the feeling that you make people experience something that they are convinced is different and new and better yeah. than what they experienced yeah. before, right. which yeah. is what matters. That's the actual weight of it, which is yeah. kind of what That's you're talking true. about. Sure, yeah. you, you, you want to be associated with something yeah. new and unique. And, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of like, it's like what I liked about what I had before, but this is even better and this feels fresh and new, you know. All right, but you know, one of the things too is, Kettle Song is about organic growth. And, and hear me out on this, we're not building it all out in three years or five years. It's gonna take 20 years to build out. And like the village center, what it looks like, Nick and I don't know what it looks like. We don't know necessarily who's gonna show up and, and what the demands are gonna be. But that's the great thing about having local investors, about having a local connection and and, and being and being patient, yeah. right? Is you let this grow and then this cool thing happens is like things created by nature are always to me much more interesting and much more original than things that are engineered by man. Yeah. So I think we've all been to those places where you walk in and you're like, eh, this feels a little bit like Disney where it's all yeah. contrived and it feels forced. That's not us. It's gonna grow over time and it's gonna have this real authentic feel. And how do you get that authenticity? Well, you just kind of have to cultivate. Yeah. People come in, let people contribute. Participation, man, totally. leads to authenticity. Yeah. yeah. I mean, y'all are, I will say, I mean, from, from watching y'all do this, y'all are asking for participation at every step of the way. I mean, and that's, and that's painful. I mean, because I'm sure it's not all like perfect, beautiful participation. <laughs> no. I'm sure people have opinions that are, you know, abrasive and whatnot. Bringing people into the fold, as it were, is absolutely a challenge. Uh, but what we've come to find out is that after that first conversation, you've had three or four at, at some point, people get to know you a little bit better and they become more familiar with the ideas that you're talking about. And, and so it's not foreign anymore. Right. Uh, and they come to realize, as you've said multiple times here, is this is, this, this is a new old idea. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I think that's something that we try to, try to bring out in our conversations. Too. Okay, let's do this. What, 
what can people do to either learn more, help you, whatever? Like, what if somebody's listening to this? Is is this just washing over them passively, or how can they participate? What can they do? How, they, how can they partake? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you you can go to all our electronic platforms, right? So uh, there's a there's a website and there's a Facebook uh, page and, and all all of that. Uh, but I I think. It, what, what's more impactful is when you're there in person. So we have town hall meetings on a pretty regular basis that we invite everybody and anybody to. Uh, just if for no other reason than to have the conversation about something that we're both passionate about. And, and that is this idea of community and nature, uh, learning and sustainability. Those yeah. are the four defining features of so Kettle Say that Song. again, say that again. Uh, learning, sustainability, community, and nature. Learning, yeah. sustainability, community, and nature. Yeah, so, so, and there's a lot of overlap to that. Say that again. Wolfskin. It's your acronym. Oh, right, yeah. That's beautiful, Chris. <laughs> it works so Catch well. It. Yeah, yeah, it rolls right off the tongue. It does, it's yeah. soothing to the it's ear. soothing, yeah. It's spa-like, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's feeling tingly all over, yeah. Yeah. But... Uh, it's something we hit on early on. We like to, to pull on those threads whenever we talk about Kettle Song because it, yeah. it leads to a broader conversation. Um, that, yeah, that, that we're both pretty passionate about. Look, I think when you asked the question about how can people get engaged, you know, there's the Kettle Song Facebook page, there's our website, www.kettlesong.com, and there's an email list that people can sign up on to stay informed. I think a big help for us is when there are public meetings when things come up that we need to get approval for, people showing up at public meetings and voicing support and saying, yeah, yeah. We, we, we believe in this, that means a lot. Yeah. It really does. And so staying informed through our electronic media and uh, and reaching out to us. You know, you can email connect at indigorush.com and that's our company is Indigo Rush. And reach out. Nick and I monitor those emails and we respond. Now we're, we're busy. It might not be a super quick response, because we're a two-man boutique development company, but we do try to respond. And um, a lot of people have been to my home. As crazy as that sounds, we've had a, a few Com meetings where we invite, yeah, yeah. invited the neighbors into my home and said, hey, this is who we are, yeah. and this is what we're about. Yeah. And the, con the contact info will be in the show notes. And yeah, we'll definitely so. share the contact info uh, wherever we post this podcast, but it's good to say it. Um, on air because I think that it's real important to hear you say because I've heard y'all say many times and I've seen you in action I mean again you're not flying in from somewhere else and dictating you know like capturing a piece of property because you have the money and wherewithal to do it and then just dictating what's on it and then leaving town because you made a bunch of money you know like the monopoly man you know like <laughs> moving on to boardwalk next square um, but you passed it go and get 200 bucks right but um that helps. instead you're like i'm here and i have some resources some experience and skills and i'm going to try to invest in and build a reality here where i am that's a better possible future i mean is that fair to say absolutely yeah it's a local play and and, and again we we love talking about the community and and anything local so our, our orientation is to hire folks who are uh, residents of the area uh, and, and to have those people be part of this 
this movement. We like to think of uh, new urbanism, which more broadly is what we're talking about. Uh, be part of that conversation yeah. and, and, and to be involved in this. So. Well, man, it's um, been an absolute pleasure having you guys on the podcast. Yeah, thank, thanks thank for you. having us. Yeah, yeah, yeah that it's, was awesome. It's exciting to talk to folks that are passionate about stuff. You guys are obviously passionate about this. Um, Most days, yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> passionate or pained. Yeah, right? it's yeah like that's a fine line. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's really the same thing. It's the same thing. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah. Keywords. Again, yeah. another podcast. But, <laughs> but um, like podcasts, for example. Bingo. Yeah. But, um, Positively. <laughs> so, who are you reminding me of right I'm now? not sure who that is. <laughs> oh, it's Willie. It's, what is that? That's no, a song it's musical. Conan's guy. Oh, who's oh, Conan's second? Guy? Yeah. 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 Oh, Andy? Andy. Andy. Yeah. You even look a <laughs> so little like Andy. Conan. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, anyway, Craig, be crazy. Pleasure <laughs> to have you on the podcast. Appreciate it. Nick Radovanovich. Perfect. Uh, from <laughs> Ireland. Uh, glad to have you on the podcast. Both guys that live here in town, um, trying to build something exceptional with Kettle Song. Kettlesong.com is a website. Kettle Song on Facebook, you can get involved. Um, there's a lot of things coming up with uh, you guys are trying to get people's participation, input, comments moving forward, and hopefully here over the next, you know year i mean this thing's going to start becoming real is that yeah. fair absolutely we hope to be breaking ground this fall that's awesome well and and, and it feels real uh for all kinds of reasons but uh that, that train's left the station we just want people to to, to jump on it so. good point yeah, yep. it's already left the station yeah, yeah in a big way yeah. yeah all right cool well check it out on kettlesong.com check it out on kettlesong's facebook page and um i guess we will see you next time on uh old town new world chris peace out chris Thank you. Peace out.